You know, I wonder if you let this age for another for another decade, this can become a B tech. Well, at a leader, it could or <laughs> hey, <laughs> keep, keep its origins but become a B tech. <laughs> Welcome everyone to episode 60 of The Mashup, the best burn conversation you're going to hear all week long. We're your host, Michael, Anthony, and Stephen. Hello, sir. Hey, all about that bass. You got some extra bass in that voice tonight. <laughs> yeah. So I got a little bit of a bone to pick tonight. So uh, I'm not responsible for anything you said. I know, exactly. <laughs> if I get, if my wife kicks me out, I, I'm coming to sleep at your house. We've talked about that before. Um <laughs> So recently my wife said, you know, we're going to go get family pictures taken. And of course I want to have good family pictures with my, my wife and kids. It's important. I understand. And so we initially went to this place. It was like a studio and you know, we've used different photographers over the last couple of years, just trying here and there. And I didn't really have much of an expectation. You went to JC Penney, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think that that's where we went for family pictures growing up, like when I was little. You know, it's funny is that I think we took one of our kids to, I think it was a holiday JC Penney thing. And it was really? like, and they had, they pulled the background down and everything. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> You're like, this reminds me of old times for sure. Anyway, go on. Yeah, no. <laughs> and so this wasn't that kind of, it was like, you know, the, the, like, hey, I've got the perfect light kind of studio to take pictures and stuff. So we get our pictures back and they're absolutely amazing. And of course, my wife just can't be satisfied with one set of amazing pictures. She's like, we're going to go for another session oh, for Lord. a spring session, right? I'm like, what do we just do? The spring session already happened. Like, what what are you talking about? And so this past week, we had outdoor pictures at, of all places, the Lexington Cemetery. I've been there. You've been there? And what do you think? That's beautiful. It is. It's beautiful. It's absolutely picturesque. It's gorgeous. It has these awesome old cherry blossom trees that are in full bloom right now. But there's also um, dead people. Mm-hmm. So how do you reconcile that in your head? For me, I'm like, I'm doing this for my family, but the whole time I'm there, I'm taking pictures. I'm like, this isn't supposed to be funny. I'm like, I'm not supposed to be over here enjoying myself in the midst of dead people. You want the one time during the month during a full moon yeah, in the evening, right? <laughs> yeah, you wish that I did. <laughs> the werewolves coming out of the ground. <laughs> they take over the uh, R.J. Corman Railroad there and drive around. Yeah, something like that. Zombie train. There you go. No, I mean, seriously. So, I mean, I, I went over there. It was fun. Took pictures. Hopefully got some good pictures. But the other thing is, is like things are not settled here. It's not like it was warm. I was out there taking pictures in like 45 degree weather oh. with, with like a 20 mile an hour wind. And so it's funny. The kids were like, we're cold. We're cold. And my smile. Wife's like, shut yeah, up. I was like, shut up and smile. <laughs> Get the picture taken now. Like this is important, you know, but uh, it turned out okay, but it was really something else. You know, I think mm-hmm. I want to find like, uh, you know, why can't we just go to a Chuck E. Cheese or something like that? <laughs> you know, like you got the characters in the background, Get the characters. I want something like that. You know, maybe a ball pit or something, you know, something classic, not like, you know, beautiful cherry blossoms. Like who really wants to go get pictures taken? Uh, you know, I'm glad you had two sessions. Yeah. Right. You're glad. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, after we got done taking pictures, I was thinking to myself, 
uh, what was I going to do after that? I figured like, cause I'm getting pictures taken. Something else is owed to me now. Right you now. Like I was a trooper. got the pictures taken. What can I do now that I really want to do? Like someone owes me something. Right. So, uh, the distillery right up the road from us just recently released their bourbon, um, for the first time, the castle and key distillery. Did you see that? I saw a bunch of people with it. Yeah. A lot of people posting about it. So castle and key, not to go too far into a conversation about them, but uh, they rose to fame a little bit, I would say, uh, when they revived the old Taylor Distillery. Mm-hmm. And they also had um, Marianne Eves, uh, who was the first female master distiller over there. I'm not sure in Kentucky or or I don't think ever. I don't know. We don't know enough about it. But anyway, Castle and Key released their bourbon. I was thinking about going and getting one, but then I realized that I had their rye not too far long ago, and I didn't like it very didn't much. Like that. So I wasn't as excited about it. But the thing that really got me about it was they released it. I know distilleries are proud of their products, and I know, like, employees come and go and stuff. But but there was, like, a whole mess of people signing the bottle. And I wanted to be like, who, who are, are you? you? Yeah, who are you? Like, what are you, what are you signing the bottle for? Like, you're not the person that made it. And so to me, it seemed like, uh, you know, I wished them well up there, and I'd like to really taste the bourbon. But it really kind of got me a little bit. I was, like, a little shocked. I was kind of like, uh. Well, we all know the person that made the bourbon departed. So even if it's really good, you got a signature of somebody who did what? Tasted it, bottled it. I don't know. Put the financial backing behind it. It just seemed a little weird to me. How old was the bourbon? So that's another source of controversy. Like some people were saying it was four years old, but of course I think they laid down their first barrels in 2015. So it's a small batch. I'm pretty sure it's not single barrel. So it's, I think six to seven year old bourbon. And uh, I think it was like 50, maybe 50 bucks bottle. Okay, well, they got to they started off with at least a decent yeah. age. Yeah, and of course, a lot of people are uh, you know flipping it, flip flopping oh, it right, for about a hundred right. bucks a bottle. Have a lot of fun, you know, until there's a, it's sitting everywhere and then they can't sell it for anything. So, well, before we get started today, we have no shout outs, but for all those that have not done so, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you want, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. So for this evening, we have a very expensive bottle. Oh, yeah. Very expensive. You could just tell. I mean, not everything comes in one liter bottles. That's right. That's right. Symbol of quality. <laughs> you're, getting like, you're getting freebies. <laughs> Simple. On top. Yeah. For tonight, we have Early Times Bottled in Bond. Early Times Bottled in Bond is one of those bourbons that has been synonymous with quality because it's been around since 1860. But the distillery on this one is kind of interesting. We'll talk about this later on. It's actually owned by Sazerac, but it was probably distilled by Brown Foreman. The bottle date is 2021. The ABV is 50%. Proof is 100. This is a four-year-old age-stated product. The mash bill is 79% corn, 11% rye, and 10% malted barley. MSRP is $24.99. Ooh, 25 bucks. Twenty-five dollars. That might be the best deal in bourbon. What and do you think? And you're getting a little bit. You're getting two fifty more. You're getting yeah. That extra two hundred fifty milliliters is is really you know get you through those long nights. So as far as the bottle, yes, it's you can obviously tell it's larger than your standard bottle. So I think right off the bat, right off the bat, that will catch your eye. Yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing special about the label or the the. There's no neck tag or anything. It's just. The fact that it's a larger bottle is going to catch your eye when you're when you're looking through all the shelves. 
Absolutely. It actually looks like a, if there was a classic whiskey bottle, this looks like a classic whiskey bottle. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. It's got like, you know, classic, it's going to sound really silly, but like 1800s designs, like squiggly lines and stuff. Well, that doesn't sound silly at all. You want to know why? Why? Because that's when this brand was founded. You oh, know, it was right. established in 1860. So they haven't changed their design since 1860. I, I guess not. It doesn't look like they've changed anything. It looks like, uh, you know, even back in 1860, I'm sure they had these foil caps too. So <laughs> it says it right there in the top corner, established in 1860. It is old style Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Do you ever wonder when you see something like that, like old style? What we, does that mean? Well, I know when Coke went to new style, no one liked the Coke. There you go. Yeah, they had to go back to the old recipe. So I'm Pepsi guessing, clear. I'm guessing that um, if it ain't broke, let's not fix it. That's, not, that's yeah. right. So. That's right. Can you just take a second, though? Can you take a second to, you know, get this, just let this soak in, okay? I'm a sponge. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Established in 1860, Early Times is a true American brand. The name itself is a tribute to the way whiskey was made in the early times of the country. You get that? It's old times. You're listening. This is great. This is the Lewis and Clark stuff. It's great. As the 20th century arrived and distilling methods evolved to sophisticated operations, early times remained true to its roots as an old-style Kentucky bourbon. And so this is made in the same way that it was made back in the 1860s. Same kind of technology and everything. What do you think about that? Well, it pretty much sounds like everyone else making bourbon. <laughs> Come because on. Uh, I don't think anyone came, you know, over here from the old world and said, we're going to make bourbon like we did in Poland <laughs> or we're going to make bourbon like we did in Germany. This is this is the old style, though, man. Oh, this, this is this is the finished way. This is Frontiersman yeah. stuff. This oh, is yeah. like you wouldn't know because you weren't there, you know, like raccoon hat. Yeah. Burly, you know? burly man. Burly, like musket ball. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, if it was 1860, you know, one thing. What's that? Honest Abe, he was crushing these bottles. <laughs> he was. So, I mean, you remind me here, was it was it Lincoln assassinated 1865? Mm -hmm, right. uh, screw you, Wilkes Booth. Never forget. <laughs> so that means hopefully that Abe Lincoln had a chance to taste the sweet nectar, you think? I think so. I mean, that's we've gone way off on a tangent here about this bottle, but it just reminds us of so much old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <Can't> just, <laughs> you know. You think, the, you think the screw top was... I don't think that's an old thing. I think that's a newer thing. Yeah. I think I mean, they were corking the hell out of this thing in 1860. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. You think it was natural cork back then or you think they were using You know synthetic? what? I don't know. Now I'm thinking Western saloon movies. Yeah. I'm thinking they're always unscrewing stuff. Maybe they just took a lead musket ball and stuck it in the top and said, you know. Well, should we go for our first notes? This smells like caramel. Well, I'm getting caramel. Getting caramel. Like that's really one dimensional nose to me. It's a little ethanol, a little, a little caramel. Ethanol. Yep. Um, I do, just so you know, I have the Master's Distiller's notes. After we get done with this part, we're going to compare what we sniffed. Don't tease me. And tasted to what the Master Distiller's notes say. I feel like I'm getting a little soda. Yeah, that's a good call. So while we're getting ready to taste this, I was just thinking about the fact that when I first had this, it was back in 2017 when it released. It was like 1999 a bottle. It was $20 for a liter. And so I remember buying it with low expectations. And I wonder saying, how much it was in 1860. 1860, yeah. It wasn't 20 bucks. Yeah, probably not. Maybe it could have been like 50 cents maybe. Right? You think back then they, uh, you could buy bot bottles or you think it was just you had to go to the bar and, and drink whiskey? Probably just had to go get like it bottled from a barrel somewhere, whatever. I, don't, I doubt there was. Yeah, I don't think they just had like the bottles sitting around, you know. Hmm. 
Just go to somebody's backyard and fill it up, and then. Uh, I'm sure their backyard's back in the West. That's how uh, bourbon was made back in early times, from the still in the garden. No, so this bourbon was available as a liter, kind of like a budget bourbon, but as a limited release. And then it became so popular. I hear two theories on this. One is it became really popular, and another company wanted a piece of it. The other is that I heard that Brown Foreman, who was making this at the time, so you know Brown Foreman as Old Forester and Woodford, they were looking to shed some brands from their portfolio for uh, profitability. And so they turned around and sold this to Sazerac, which, you know, we all know Sazerac, the evil empire, Buffalo Trace, right? I'm joking, guys, right? I'm a little bit of Buffalo Trace tater. And so now this is owned by Sazerac Company, but when they bought it, the already distilled and aged juice came with the deal. And so what we're drinking tonight shouldn't taste any different than it did back in 2017. But we'll see. You know, I wonder if you let this age for another for another decade, this can become a BTAC. Well, at a liter, it could. Or <laughs> hey, <laughs> keep, keep its origins, but become a BTAC. <laughs> Early times, bottle and bond antique collection. Yeah. I love it. It wouldn't be bottle and bond. Well, yeah, it would be then. Still, but because Brown Foreman distilled this. This is probably really young King of Kentucky. What do you think? Oh. Yeah. Do you pick up anything from that in this? Um, I've only had King of Kentucky one time. It was a very small sip. And so, no, unfortunately, okay. I don't. Okay. Well, I've never had it. So, let's go for our first taste. All right. Well, it drinks easy. It does. It has a quite a bit of a little bit of bite at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty basic... Uh, bourbon it is yeah. it's it's basic in the sense that it's very caramel forward it might have a little bit of like a i was thinking like so my wife likes to make uh the kids cornbread but it's not like with bourbon no i wish oh, i mean okay. then i would then i would eat it and the kids couldn't eat it but um or maybe not it'd probably cook off right cook off. yeah but um it kind of has a little bit of a cornbread type of a flavor to it um like the top like charred in the oven kind of thing yeah mm. Um, along with the caramel, that's what I get really. So I'm just getting basic, you know, bourbon things from this being pretty inexpensive. I'm really curious. You teased us earlier with the distiller's notes. Well, I was teasing you with it. Well, stop teasing me and present it. Yeah. So here's the thing. Lay it out. We taste bourbons now. This is what? Episode 60? Yes. We've been tasting bourbons for a long time, even before this, and now we're doing it uh, in this semi-professional format of this podcast, right? You guys have to be here to see Steven's face. He's got this big smirk on his face when I said semi-professional podcast. But anyway. I've only been drinking bourbon for one year and three months. There you go, right? He's never had anything before. No Jim Beam, nothing. <laughs> but um, I taste vanilla and caramel. What do you taste? Oh, see? There we go. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So the reason why I'm so passionate about this, and I don't know if anybody else out there that's listening to this is geeky in this way, but one thing that I've tried to do is I've tried to scour YouTube and the internet and anywhere else I can to find out what master distillers think about certain bourbons. And so what I've tried to do is find out anytime somebody's being interviewed and they're being asked about how bourbon tastes, right? So they're being asked basically to give tasting notes. Oh, these are going to be, these are going to be like above my head because... I mean, you're talking about the people that make this stuff. I'm not going to 
Oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to relate to him at much of this. You would think so. You'd think so. But let me, oh, let me enlighten you there, young squire. So I came across, and I've only now come across at least two that I found where it's very clear. So one is a video from like a while back from Elmer Teeley. Oh. So Elmer Teeley, you know. Of, He's still of, alive. Still, still alive in this video, yeah. right? And he didn't have his death bottle and his tribute bottle and all those other bottles <laughs> that, that sell for all that money. But the, the interviewer asked him directly, what should bourbon taste like? And he, I'm waiting for like the greatest thing ever to come out of his mouth. Instead, he opens his mouth and goes, well, a characteristic of bourbon that's unique is that it should be vanilla. It should taste like vanilla and it should be smooth. And then he kind of stumbles, and I mean his age there, you know, mm-hmm. kind of give him a clean. And it should be vanilla and smooth. He says it again, the second time, <laughs> like the same exact thing. And it's like, what are you talking about? And then uh, that's it. So that's what he says. When you're tasting bourbon, it should be vanilla and smooth. That's how you know it's ready. Vanilla, check. There you go. Check, see? Yep. You got it. You already know. I'm you're learning. already a professional taster. Yep. And then the other one I came across recently was Jimmy Russell. Oh. So Jimmy Russell was tasting um, like a pre-prohibition burp, like whiskey. He's not the one that does the Jimmy Dean's uh, commercial, is he? <laughs> Come on. You're going to lose your uh, bourbon card I here. I am just joking. <laughs> Jimmy Dean sausage. <laughs> um, just the way you said it and everything. Though. Yeah. So he's tasting this pre-prohibition stuff, and he's going, uh, well, it tastes caramel and vanilla. And he says it's got some nice oak finish. It's a little bit more oaky than I would like it to be, but it tastes just like a bourbon from this time period should taste. And I'm like, hmm. so vanilla and caramel. So vanilla and caramel and oak. Oh, are oak. you kidding me? Oh, we got oak in there now too. <sighs> That's three things I look for. Yeah, and then if you thought it couldn't get any better than this, the best one I found was like Julian Van Winkle getting interviewed at like a wine and spirit shop. So he was holding like Mr. A, Pappy, Mr. Pappy himself, right? So. The one who's carrying a torch is a family tradition, goes to a wine and spirit shop somewhere in the Northeast. I can't remember anymore. And so I'm watching this, and at the end, they talk to him about not what the tasting notes are, but how he likes to drink the Van Winkle lineup. Oh, gosh. <laughs> are you ready for this? Well, um, maybe neat with a couple drops, maybe? I would think neat all day, right? right. Or whatever, because this is meant to be savored. So how else would I you mean, drink when you're, it? I mean, when you're spending five plus grand on secondary for this thing. Yeah. Um, now, this is before they were that much. This was that, eight, that nine true. years ago. That is true. Yeah. So are you ready for this mind-boggling uh, conclusion? Go. He said the 15, so he's talking about the Pappy 15, okay. makes a great old-fashioned. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let that one set in. Then he talks so we're about mixing the 15. We're mixing the 15. At uh, how much the 15 cost? Uh, you know, retail, if we could get it, what, like 140 or 150, I think. So we're mixing. We're uh, mixing that $150 bottle yeah. with stuff. That's not just any bourbon. That's the best bourbon out there, you know, because Pappy 15 is a good, highly rated bourbon, right? Uh, go on. <laughs> yes, sir. Here we go. <laughs> and so... The next thing that he says is that he's drinking in the summer, the higher age ones. So he's talking about a 20 and 23. So an ice ball. He talks about putting them on ice. Ice. With what? a twist of lemon. Oh. So you take the lemon and you twist it in there and you never had anything so delightful. Now listen, 
Who am I to question Julian Van Winkle? I am not going to do that. But I will say this. If I'm spending that much for bourbon, I sure as heck ain't putting any lemon or ice in it when I drink it. Or or bitters. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you don't want to put the bitters in there? I don't want the bitters in you there. You don't want to make an old-fashioned out of uh, your no. 15-year-old Van Winkle? Well, you know, when you have case of it just lying around. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's easy to do that kind so of stuff, I, I, isn't I it? I thought I was only supposed to look for vanilla caramel and oak now i gotta look for lemon <laughs> you gotta you gotta have lemon out okay. you gotta put the lemon in the bourbon i got my, I got my four notes now because you know it's not already there so you gotta add it in oh that's true so we could it. take some lemon and twist it in here and see how this early time so this becomes a this becomes a pappy 23 i think so lemon? well now it's owned by sazerac how could it not be full circle <laughs> so with that anthony would you pass try or buy on the early times bib now, I know I spent a lot of time joking around and saying some goofy things about tasting notes and stuff, but this is always going to be a buy for me. My biggest worry and concern is that Buffalo Trace and Sazerac are going to take this and make it into some kind of allocated $40 bottle. You know, as it stands, they took this over and they changed the plastic screw top cap to their classic foil cap. And it awful. Already, yeah, awful. Already ticked me off. I already thought to myself, they're already trying to ruin this bourbon. And so it's the same thing as on the Weller Green label. Yes. And the Weller uh, Black label. The Black label. Yeah. Still got the foil cap on the Black label yeah. because, uh, you know, number one, because you don't have one. By the time you get one, they might have a cork in it, you think? It may have a metal top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to work on getting Steven one of those black top <laughs> Wellers. It's going to work. But, uh, yeah, I'm actually going to be a buy despite all the stuff that Sazerac might try to do to, to, to ruin this. Um, I've liked it from the first day that I bought it. The fact that it's gone up $5 in price doesn't bother me one bit. I actually have this as like my family bourbon. And what I mean by that is my mom likes bourbon cocktails. Mm. Brothers and sister-in-laws, people like bourbon cocktails. And this thing, not only is it okay to drink straight, but it's really good to mix because it really stands up to the to whatever you're making and makes a pleasant flavor without taking over. So there's a lot of positives to this one, and I think it's a great product. And I'm actually thinking that if I were for Sazerac, I'd want to buy it too. I mean, what would Jillian do with this? I mean, he's, not, he's not making old fashions with this, though. Yeah, he might not be because he got that 15 year old. Right. Making a f- no, I agree with you. This is going to be a buy. Yeah. I mean, 25 bucks, you're getting a liter. It drinks great and neat. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I haven't had it in a cocktail, but I can't imagine, you know, how it tastes in a cocktail. But interesting enough, on the back of this thing, we have uh, distilled and bottled by Early Times Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. And then we have a nice www.sazerac.com. That's right. So it's kind of like they left it alone, we're hoping. Yeah. Uh, I guess only time will tell. Well, they're moving all distilling operations to 1792. So I know, but I mean, can they make it independent? I mean, it's kind of funny. We're talking about a cheap, a bottom shelf bourbon. Yeah. And keeping it, uh, making a big company, you know, leave it alone as far as how they produce it. Yeah. But I mean, if they're bringing it to Sazerac, they're already changing the warehouse environment. Absolutely. And now like the valleys and streams and forests and everything around that warehouse affects the the aging process. (laughs) That's right. So, I mean, this, I mean, I guess in the years to come, it may change a little bit. I would think so. And I mean, you got to imagine if they took them over in 2020, and they already had a good supply of this. Yeah. By 2023, you're probably talking about 
Buffalo Trace distillate, Sazerac distillate getting in there. So yeah, probably got a couple more years to taste it in this true form as it was originally distilled. Now, one thing that'd be really interesting is that I know I've gone to the Peerless tour. Okay. And you can, I don't know if you can buy them there, there only, or you can get them online, or I think maybe it's just at the distiller. You can buy these proof and age. And so you can get a bottle at like, like zero years and so much proof. And then like one year, so much proof, two year, three years, so on. So you can taste the progression? So you can taste the progression. Oh, I nice. wonder if you do this with the early times. Oh, yeah. Pre Sazerac purchasing it, maybe like, how old's this product? Four, four years old? It's four years old, yeah. So from like a year before they bought it to maybe six years later and see how much it changes. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That'd be a good experiment, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I just hope it remains that'd somewhat. Be a great bur- that'd be a great Christmas gift for that oh, bourbon lover. That's that right. You, in your, on your Christmas list. Yeah. Hey, you got to get outside the box because we know that w- the whiskey stones aren't cutting it, you know? Mm-hmm. That just ain't going to work anymore. So this being a uh, a budget bourbon, I know we did a budget bourbon lo- uh, episode yep. uh, several back. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, we had a uh, a crow bourbon. Yep. Michael came through with the crow. You cheap, Michael. And then we had a uh, we had a Barton 86 proof. That's a little bit better. That was Steven's this pick. This was yeah, the uh, well uh, supposed like, to be. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, here we go. Listen, to the big talk, big guy over here. Oh, yeah. This was the sub ten dollar. And what does he come? He comes with twenty percent more. That's right. At the twelve dollar mark with the uh, JTS Brown. I cheated. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. And of course, that was better because it was twenty percent more expensive. That's right. Twenty percent more expensive. hundred proof because I think that was the highest proof that we it had was, as well. And yeah. it was also four year age stated. Yeah. Which. So how would we rate this 100 proof? Uh, I mean, I guess this is not going to be in a $10 marker. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is like two, two and a half times that. I know. That's the other thing. I would say like comparable wise, if I get to choose between, I, I said in that episode. Okay, the J, okay. Let's just compare it to the JTS Brown 100 proof. I'm going to go with this all day. Okay. I, I just think the JTS Brown, um, even though I like it, is too much, uh, too corn forward, too like uh, much straw flavor mm-hmm. and too much, uh, it's a little too hot. Yeah. No, this is uh, I would have no problem putting on the ice for summer. Yep, uh, just drinking the caramel that the caramel goodness this thing pr- uh, produces. Yeah, um, sitting back and enjoying it. Oh yeah, you're getting so much of great bourbon flavor. Not to like make fun of uh, the master distillers who who have way more aging experience than we'll ever have, but you know it's fun to just. I mean, they're talking. They're talking about bot- you know that one episode that you talked about how. Yeah. Um, who was it that you went over to the master stiller's house and they like the they were going to serve their their guests the bottom oh yeah bottom shelf stuff what was that, that? was the benchmark the benchmark yeah so yeah. that sounds like all these master stillers have an affinity for the benchmark they equivalent. must they must just think like hey bourbon if it tastes like caramel vanilla and oak then yeah, you know gotta, that's it's, it. it's got to be good right yeah you don't have to do much I guess to be a master taster or anything you just you just got to think for those three notes and all you're right, all good sign me up. Yeah, who wants to taste licorice in their bourbon anyway, right? Uh, no. Yeah, you don't want that, do you? I don't want to eat licorice. And with that, thanks for listening to this week's edition. Please like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TheMashupKY. Also, let us know your thoughts and spot on the comment section. Until next time, keep it neat.